Welcome to Weston Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westernroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. My prayer is in our time together, you're going to be encouraged, not in your ability to navigate the storms, but in God's ability that he's with you and that he's there to help you and guide you, but also to remind you that the storms come, but they don't last. So don't park in the storm. And so they're not permanent. Seasons are not permanent. I think we established that last week. James chapter 1. Just to read some scripture before we get to our main text. James 1 verses 2 to 4 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. So are you joyful in the difficult seasons? Do you have joy? Do you consider it an opportunity for joy when trials come? Verse 3, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Another translation says, lacking nothing. So when we go through difficult seasons, it's not to park there and to wallow in our sorrow, But instead realize God uses those seasons to strengthen who you are, to build endurance and perseverance. But at the end, you'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. 1 Peter chapter 4, jump there to verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. Again, different scripture passage reinforcing a common theme. Be very glad. Why? For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy, there's that word again, of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. May God give us a different perspective for when we go through difficult seasons. It's also saying they're going to come. you got to be ready for them. We don't park in them, but God guides us through them. You know, most of us love the idea of God changing our circumstances. God, deliver me from this season. But hear me for a second. They love that more than the idea of God changing us. God, change this, change that, change the circumstance. We love that idea more than when God is actually trying to change us us and so today it's not about really the season you're in it's about you in the season you're in you hear me and so the series title is is this all seasons all seasons and God is at work in all seasons of life whether you believe it or not whether you feel it or not he is and so the title today difficult seasons how many of you know not all seasons are created equal right summer is nice and hot winter is not not all seasons are created equal some seasons are long in life some seasons are short some seasons are meant to be quick and we make them long if we park there but not all seasons are created equal we have sometimes a season of blessing And sometimes it's a season of testing. Sometimes it's a season of laughter. And sometimes it's a season where, and I've had these kinds of conversations where we have laughed and we're like, man, I haven't laughed in a good six months. And we need those moments. God uses those moments to help us. But seasons come and then seasons what? They go. Not all seasons are created equal. There are seasons where we grind hard at work and it's necessary, but make sure it's just a season. Make sure there's also a season of rest where you take time to renew and be refreshed. There's a season for that. See, there are seasons of activity and then seasons where we sit and we learn. We live with this understanding But if we're not careful, we'll also throw God into the mix and we treat God the same way. What do I mean? 
When we face trials or we hit rock bottom, suddenly it becomes a God season. Do you hear me? Oh God, I need you. We run to the altar. We run to God. But when it's a season of happiness and laughter, where, where, where's God? Right? You, you catch me? Am I, is it just me? Right? Sometimes you're like, I got this. I can do this. I'm good. We're good. But when we hit rock bottom, it's like, where's God? God, I need you. Pastor, pray for me. Pour all the oil. Anoint me. And I'm happy to do it. I'm not mocking that or making light of it. But I'm like, well, where, where's God? It's not like he's absent. Maybe you've absented yourself from God. And we, could be, we have to be careful because we could get into this mindset, a season of rest, a season of hustle. No, no, no. God is not a season. He is God in every season. And I submit to you, he must be God of all seasons. Whether it's favorable and when it's not. He is God there. When my mom died, yes, that was a low, low point for me when I was 23 years old. But here's the thing. I already knew God was with me. It was very difficult. I needed the encouragement of the church, of my brothers and sisters. And I needed that. But when people weren't available, who did I have? Not nobody. I had the Lord. And he was with me through it all. You say, Pastor John, what's been the one constant in your whole life? I'm not that constant. God's been constant. God's been faithful. God's been there. If I look back on my life, my kids tell me, Dad, tell me the story of how you got your, they call it puma stitches, because it looks like the puma cat. Tell me how you got your stitches again. Tell me the story. They know it, but they like hearing it. And as I look back from when I was a baby, by the way, like a small, small side note. I didn't know this till I was older, obviously, but my mom told me, she says, I wasn't supposed to be pregnant when you were, when I found out I was pregnant with you. I said, what do you mean, mom? She said, I actually had an IUD, intrauterine device, and it was a form of birth control. And what she didn't know is it's designed to discard the egg after it's fertilized. So my mom had that. She was misinformed about the procedure, because or else she probably would have never gone for that. And so my parents said, so not that you're an accident, but you weren't supposed to be born. And so I said, from my mother's womb, God has been, he's had his hand on my life. When I look back, I'm like, thank God I was born. Thank God. And my dad said, Jonathan, that's why you're a good swimmer. <laughs> and that's my dad's joke my whole life. You're a good swimmer. Too much? No? We're good? <laughs> Listen, we can enjoy our time together in church. I hope you enjoy church and not endure being together. We enjoy it. I love you, Dad, if you're watching. The one constant has been God in every season. So at 23, my mom dies, feeling lonely, like the touch of a woman gone. God, like, how do I make sense of this? I was a youth pastor in Montreal. My, my vow to the Lord is, as long as I'm the youth pastor, I'm not pursuing a relationship with any girl to get married or anything like that. That was my personal vow to the Lord. But then the natural question is, well, then how am I going to get married? How am I, I going to find someone? And then Priscilla came to Montreal. And the Lord spoke to me and said, get ready. This is going to be for a lifetime. God's been the one constant in every season, in every high, and in every low. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So there's not a season for God. He must be God in all seasons. And so in the time that we have together today... If you have your Bible, turn to Exodus 13, right in the beginning again. And we touched a bit on the story of Moses 
And really how God began to hear the cry of his people and decided it was time to act. That was last week. And he called a man, Moses, and said, take your staff, take what you have in your hand. But today I want to look at what God did for his people in a difficult season. In a difficult season. So in Exodus 13, let's look at verse 17. We'll start reading there. We're going to read some scripture today. And I make no apologies for diving deep into the word and reading with you. So Exodus 13 verse 17 says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said, If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. Verse 18 again. So God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And it's important because he's leading them in a specific way. And if you could envision this for a second. We just read what's in front of them. What is he leading them toward? The the Red Sea. So there's something in front, but I love the detail of what God's going to do for his people because he's going to make it in such a way that there's going to be an Egyptian army coming behind them. And you look either way, well, God's led us here, but we can't go back. God made it very, very much so in such a way that even if they wanted to, that wasn't a good option. Now, they needed trust and faith for whatever was about to happen because there ain't no way out. And so I want to read a little more to discover what God's up to. So in Exodus 14, verse 1 to 4, God tells Moses the game plan. He's like, this is what I'm up to. And so I want to read it together. Here's what it says. Then the Lord gave these instructions to Moses. Order the Israelites to turn back and camp by Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. Camp there along the shore across from Baal-Zephon. So here's why he's telling them to park. Remember I said don't park in, the, in this difficult season? But God is telling them camp out here. Park here for a bit. And we're going to see exactly why. He says, verse 3, Then Pharaoh will think the Israelites are confused. They are trapped in the wilderness. And once again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. So Pharaoh's going to think, oh, they're confused. They're going in a roundabout way. They're like sitting ducks. They're, they're confused. And Pharaoh's going to chase after them. He said, God says, I have planned this. In order to display my glory through Pharaoh and his whole army. After this, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites camped there. And listen, as they were told. So as we're talking about seasons, for Israel, God was delivering his people out of slavery, out of Egypt. And he promised them a promised land. A place that I'm going to take you. It is a place of blessing. It's going to be a season of prosperity. Not the same as you formerly knew. But they had to get there. They had to get to the promised land. But God had to deal with a few things on the way. And in all of it, I hope you caught it, that God is going to get glory. So in the season you're in, it's important to hear the word of the Lord because it says that they camped there as they were told. But God was setting things up so that he can get glory. So in your season of difficulty, maybe instead of complaining, we're going to see what Israel is about to do. Instead of complaining, what if we just said, God, I don't understand all of this, but I just ask that you get glory out of this. God, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this season and what you're up to. I don't know the game plan yet, but I pray that you get glory out of this. If I'm going to go through the trials and the fires of life, my prayer is that you would get the glory. Whatever happens, God, you get the glory. And so 
we can read a little more, but I'm going to jump to verse 10. So Moses knows the game plan, but do the people know it? Ask yourself, do the people know it? They don't. Moses knows. They're just obeying what their leader is asking of them on behalf of the Lord. And now we're going to pick it up in verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians overtaking them or coming toward them, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why have you done this to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? Just for a second. It's almost like they think they're better than Moses, but really as if they're better than God. Inadvertently, that's what they're saying. It was never Moses' desire or plan to be the guy. But God says, get up and, and you must go. Because my people need deliverance. And, and yet they're complaining. We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. And get this, it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Choice language, but... That's where they were at. That was their present circumstance. The reality of what they saw with their eyes. Look at verse 13. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. In the season of difficulty, you got to remind yourself... Just stay calm. The Lord is with me. Just stay calm. And look at verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Get moving. I want to share real quick. I'll give you like a little four-part outline. Take notes. Write it down. In difficult in a difficult moment, there is, number one, the tendency to panic. And we find that in verse 10. I'll just read it again. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked. When they saw the Egyptians approaching them or overtaking them, they saw that they were coming hard after them. And they looked up and they started to panic. They were told, camp out here. This is what God wants. And when they look up, they're freaking out. I don't know when you look up from whatever you're busy doing and you realize the season you're in. I don't know the emotions you have. I don't even know what season you're in. Maybe some of you are going through a difficult season. Or maybe this is a sermon that you're going to hold on to and keep it in your back pocket like I do for when those seasons do come. Because we know that they do. And remind yourself of who God is. But there's a tendency to panic. Another word is to, to have fear because of what you see with your eyes. So in a difficult moment, there is the tendency to panic, number one. Number two, there is the tendency to complain. Why me? Why, why does this happen? Why are we here again? And maybe it's to the person nearest you that you complain to. Maybe it's to whoever's leading you. Maybe it is to God himself, and you point the finger. But look at what the people did in verse 11. It says, And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? And they're trying to give their own reasoning. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? In other words, we were going to die there, but now we're basically going to die here. They didn't understand God at work. They didn't understand that God had a game plan. They just weren't privy of all the details yet. Moses knew and he gave them the instruction. But in their ignorance, if you will, of not knowing what the game plan was, they had the tendency to complain. Maybe you don't know what God is actually up to. And instead of complaining, you just need to acknowledge that the Lord is there. And maybe because your circumstances haven't changed, God is actually trying to change you in the process. Because if you have a complaining spirit, guess what? That's not God's plan for you. God wants to suck that out of you, the negativity. Remember what the Bible says about the tongue? 
in the tongue is the power of life and death. And when you start grumbling and complaining, does that sound more like life or lean more, maybe more on the side of speaking death? You choose. The tendency, number three, in a difficult moment, there's a tendency to want to go back. To want to go back. And we start the game of comparison. But it was better there. It was better where we were. Why did you have to come? Why did we have to start out on this journey? Why did we have to do this? It was better there. Can't we just go back? It was much better. Didn't they have enough graves? This is how they're speaking. And in a difficult season or moment, there's a tendency for us to look back and to compare where we were to where God's trying to bring us. Do you think this was the final destination, the promised land? No. Absolutely not. God was leading them, but remember, he was setting this all up to get glory out of it. And he was preparing a perfect storm to actually deliver his people to continue moving on in the journey through the season. And in life, it's the same way. Sometimes we want to go back to being a kid because, you know, we had no responsibility. Maybe we want to go back to before we had a job and had to hold a job down because it was easy to live at home and just rely on our parents, perhaps. Maybe we just look back and go, oh, you know, I wish I would have been, you know, doing those old things like I used to. No, we don't look back and compare. Maybe it's not even looking back. Maybe it's looking to the left or looking to the right. And we look and say, God, why are you blessing them there and blessing someone else here? And what about me? What about, like, that game of comparison? I just, as your pastor, I want to give you this side nugget. Comparison will always rob you of your joy. Because you will never have it all. And you will never have enough. Why? You finally get the Mercedes like your neighbor so you can be on par and then the person on the other side gets a brand new whatever it tops a Mercedes and then you're like oh well now that becomes the new standard of what I need to buy next and it'll never stop it'll never stop Paul said whether I have little or whether I have much I've learned to be content in all things and then he said, and I know that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians 4, chapter 4. And that's the beautiful thing. When I start to see that God has been the constant in my life in every season, that I am blessed. Did you know in North America, we're in the top, I don't know what that percent, 1%, 5%. We're good. Do we have some needs? Yes. But we're not starving, hopefully. If you are, come talk to me. We'll, we'll help you out. In every season, God is there. But we have a tendency in difficult moments to begin to compare. God, why do I have to go through this hard thing and they don't? Listen, you know what I've learned in my 41 years of life? You might think everyone else is doing okay. My neighbor who saw my midnight worship post, why was I worshiping at midnight? Because I needed breakthrough. Not because everything is good. No, I need to get in God's presence so that the light that he's called me to be remains bright. And when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, that I would remain salty so that I don't lose my, my flavor. So it's important, you know, you think everyone looks good. Social media, it's not a sermon about social media, but that's a highlight reel of people's lives. That's not real life. Trust me, if I posted my dealings as a husband, as a, you would think, that's my pastor? <laughs> the things, I'm a human being, just like you. Don't ever put me on a pedestal. I work hard, I have to do the chores, all of that stuff. It matters. But don't compare your life to mine, and I can't compare my life to yours. I have to stay in my lane and be faithful what God has called me to do, 
And you have to be faithful to do what God is calling you to do. Listen, regardless of the season, regardless of the season that you're in. Number four, in a difficult moment, there is a tendency to stop moving. Now, yes, God said, tell them to camp out. But I don't know if you caught this at the very end. Because, you know, Moses is telling them, stand still. Watch, God's going to show up. He's going to fight this battle. Stay calm. And that's a good word. But look at what God says in verse 15 of Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Maybe it was like they're complaining. They're all of this stuff that we just went through, all these tendencies. And this is what he says to them. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Get moving. So God was really saying, I've not intended you to park in this season. Get moving because I'm about to open up a Red Sea in front of you, which you never thought was possible before. That's why we said, God, do what only you can do today. As we worship, God can do it. Do you believe it today? God can do it for you, just like he did it for his people. If you are a child of God, he cares about you, just like he cared for his people, Israel, and still cares for them. But there's a tendency to stop moving. And these tendencies usually manifest in our lives through the trials and through the hard times, and we end up stopping because we don't know how to navigate through stormy seas or to use that rain analogy. It's like, I can't really make out what's in front. And God says, keep moving because I'm going to take you and I'm going to guide you through this season. So when we look at Israel, were their challenges real? Yes. The journey out of Egypt brought some very real challenges. There was anxiety. There was uncertainty. Maybe some of you have experienced a bit of that in some of the difficult seasons in life. Some anxiety, some uncertainty. The exodus from Egypt was filled with a certain fear of the unknown. Yeah. God was leading them on this big, long journey. It shouldn't have been long, by the way. If you read the story, you'll see. It should have been like a three-day journey at best. They were 40 years in the wilderness because God needed to take Egypt out of their hearts. God needed to take slavery out of their mindset to say, you're not people who are enslaved anymore. You're people who I've set free. Can I just say, when we come to Christ and we ask him to be Lord and Savior, there's a work where we have to actually let go of who we used to be. I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. I'm, the perspective shifts to I'm a saint who sins sometimes. Because if all you identify with is being a sinner, saved by grace, what's your tendency? To sin. But if now I say, no, I'm a saint, because that's what God calls me. When I'm washed with the blood of Jesus and I'm a part of the family of God, I'm a saint. Oh, when the saints go marching in, Right? We know that, and as kids, I used to sing it in Sunday school, and we used to like march into the promotion Sunday at church when we would graduate. By the way, we have some grade sixers um, who graduated Weston kids. This is your first Sunday in the room, and I want to say welcome. But how do you view yourself? I'm a saint who sins sometimes. When we come to Christ, we have to make sure that we've given him every old part of us. The blood of Jesus doesn't just want to wash half your life clean. You, you say, God, it's all yours. And when you come to him, vulnerable and everything exposed, guess what? He comes in and he cleans house. He says, I'll make you white as snow. And the beautiful thing is then he removes the old way of thinking. The old way of thinking is, well, the bitterness, the, the complaining, all of that stuff. And he puts in us a, a right spirit. David prayed, renew a right spirit in me. That means there's a spirit that's opposite of what God desires. The Bible also tells us that he gave us his Holy Spirit. And, G and the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. So I'm not walking around like this bound up 
enslaved Christian. If you say the word Christian, that means you're blood-bought, free as a bird, to go and be who Jesus has called you to be and set you free to be. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And so there's a mindset, just like the, the people of Israel, God had to suck Egypt out of them and the, the mindset of being slaves to now saying, no, you are a blessed people. And let me back up what I just said by saying this. God promised that when they leave Egypt, they're going to have the wealth of Egypt. And it said that God caused the people of Egypt to look favorably on the Israelites so that when they were actually leaving, they gave them all of their wealth. So they didn't leave as slaves, poor people. They left with the wealth of Egypt. And they were two million strong leaving. Think about that. Let that sink in. And God was setting his people up not to die and have a grave out there in the wilderness, but he was setting them up in a promised land with plenty. And I need you to have that picture of God. If you're going through a difficult season, he's trying to suck out the negativity maybe, the complaining, the comparison, and he's trying to set you up for what he's promised you. Hang on to God in the difficult season. He knows what's up. He's got the game plan. Maybe you just don't see it yet. So there were very real challenges. That's all of what we're talking about right now. They, you know, they had this fear of the unknown, right? Yet they at least felt cert a certain degree of consistency in their lives or even with a familiar routine. I think that's why we look back. Well, we knew we had to make bricks. Well, we knew they were harsh. Those are predictable things. But the journey to freedom was not predictable. So there, there are some reasons maybe that you're holding on to or that you're looking back and God wants to set you free. Now, as real as the challenges were and the threat, what was the threat? Well, Pharaoh was coming out against what appeared to be a wandering and trapped nation in confusion with his most prestigious and imposing forces. You know, in, in Exodus 14, verse 7, it says, He took with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots. Not just chariots, best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. And then look at verse 9. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army. So the challenges were real in the wilderness, in the journey. The threats were real. But here's the encouraging thing I want you to get. Their God was real. And sometimes God will fight for you. And sometimes he will fight through you. And however God chooses, well, that's up to him. But he tells them, get up now and get going. Get moving. Don't park in the season that you find yourself in. Don't park. You know, in verses 13 and 14, we read it. Moses is doing his best to encourage the people of Israel. He's saying, don't worry. God is going to fight for us. Watch. Stay calm. You're going to see what God's going to do. Don't be afraid. And Kerry Newhoff He's a, a leadership, he's got a great leadership podcast. He actually doesn't live too far, just north of Barrie. But um, he says, he has this quote, Most people are tempted to quit moments before their critical breakthrough. Most people are tempted to quit moments before the critical breakthrough. Well, what if Israel saw the Red Sea and was like, we're done. That's it. No, I don't care. There's no way, God. Whatever Moses said, here, kill us, Egypt, come. Best chariots are here. Take us. What if they would have had that spirit of, we're done, we're giving up? Remember last week I said, there's never a season to quit. In Ecclesiastes 3, a season for this, 28 different things. There's never a time to quit. Never a time they could have quit at the Red Sea, but remember, God sent them, God set them up in such a way that they were being pursued. Remember I said that? The Red Sea is there, but you can't really go backwards. 
when, you're, when they're coming after you, what's the natural instinct tell you to do? I got to keep moving in this direction. So God was actually setting them up and having the army chase them from behind is what actually would propel them forward. And God said, get going toward the Red Sea. So here are some things we learn. And I'm actually going to ask if Natalie and Francesca, you can come back. And when you come, if you could just do that song, do what only you can do. Have that chorus ready to go. They could have quit at the Red Sea, but they chose not to. God said, you got to keep moving forward. Obviously, with the staff, what's in your hand? With the staff that Moses had, God said, stretch it out over the water. And you can read about it in the rest of the story, chapter 14, chapter 15, what God actually does for the people. It is amazing. He's God in all seasons. In verse 7, I read it again, but here's what we learned. The enemy's best and everything that is against us, they're coming to the Israelites. The enemy's best in your life, what he's trying to throw your way, is not enough and can never compete with God. These are some takeaways of what we could learn. The enemy's best and everything that's against us can't compete with God. The second thing is God's game plan might look like a setback, but it's actually a setup. It looks like you're not going to make it, that you're not going to win, but he's actually setting the stage for the breakthrough and for the glory to fall. And then verse 17 and 18, we didn't read it, but I want to read it there. God gets the glory. Because that's what the whole purpose was. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He's going to chase after you. He'll think you're sitting ducks. But I'm going to get glory. Look at verse 17 of Exodus 14. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians. And they will charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops and his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Listen, God can use your enemies to get glory. God can use your sickness to get glory. He doesn't give you the sickness. He can turn it around so that he gets the glory. You got to hear me this morning. God gets the glory in every season that you face. God gets the glory. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet as we, we're going to get ready to sing this song. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. If you could just get ready to sing the chorus. But the last takeaway from this text that we read today is this is not your season. You say, Pastor John, what do you mean? This is God's season. This is not your season. This is God's season. You might be going through it, but this is God's season. And He's going to show up in your life in ways that you never thought were possible. Wow, how do you know that? Because God's always got a plan. In Scripture, we're reminded that we should make plans, but it's the Lord who determines our steps. He de His will is what happens in the end. And so we're going to continue to plan and be diligent stewards of what God entrusts to us in terms of time, talent, and treasure. But hear me very carefully. He's the one that determines what happens next. And so God's got a plan. And Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. That's the kind of God that we have. And when you have the right view of God in your mind and especially in your heart, you will easily say, God, I receive what you have for me. And then you will release him to do what only he can do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song. And I'm going to ask, like, Natalie, you're going to lead the people. Lead, lead us as the congregation so that we can make this our declaration. And then after we sing this a couple of times, I'm going to come and give some more directions as to how we're going to close our service. So would you lead us in that part? Lord, we
Again, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, we're ready to see a miracle. Lord, we're ready to watch a glory fall. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. Lord, we're ready for revival. So if you're here this morning and you're going through a difficult season, God said to his people, get, why are you crying out to me? Get up and get moving. And as a symbolic gesture today, I want to invite you, if that's you, to come to these altars. It's a symbolic way of saying, I'm getting ready to cross through the Red Sea. And here's the amazing thing. When you cross the Red Sea, you're leaving behind the former things. You're saying, Lord, I recognize the season, but I also recognize the season is coming to an end and you're guiding me through. And so if you're here, I want to, I'm not trying to like initiate a response. If you're here and that's you, I just invite you to come. No frills attached. You just come, say, I'm crossing through the Red Sea today. God, I'm asking that you would do what only you can do. If he could part the Red Sea, he can make a way through this season for you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And just make your own altar this morning, right here in the presence of the Lord. And just begin to call on the Lord. Begin to receive what he has for you in this season. God, I release it to you now in Jesus' name. Begin to pray in your own words and tell him today. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're ready to see a miracle. Lord, we're ready yes. to watch a glory Thank fall. Do what Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
you build roads in the ocean lord you make a fool of the impossible you speak light into darkness you restore what was broken lord with you we know all things are possible Still today, we believe there are greater things for us to see. Lord, just in remaining in this atmosphere, I want to read to you out of Isaiah chapter 40, and I'm going to allow this word to minister to our church as a corporate family, as, as one body, with what the Lord has already spoken over this house. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, it says, listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, Clear the way in the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and, the, and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. That was a, a, a passage that was spoken over Priscilla and I back in 2016. 
when I was the brand new lead pastor here. And it was not just a word for me and my wife, it was a word for this house. And I hung on, we've held on to this word for a long time. And just some of you who say, like, the vision to the north, like, yeah, we heard a lot of talking. I just want to share with you personally, because many of you were not even here back then to know. But this word was spoken, and I wrestled with God for a long time, saying, God, what does this mean? What does it mean when it says, like a voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness? What does it mean to make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God? What does it mean when it says level the mountains and hills and straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places? Because the promise is when that happens, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it. And God began to speak to my heart and brought clarity to say, well, this is the vision to the north, to the south and to the east and to the west. And, you know, in a series called Seasons, that happened, that word came in a very different season. It was a season for me where I was wandering as a lead pastor because I'd never occupied this position. I said, God, I don't know how to lead your people. I don't know what to say. I don't know what the vision should be. I don't, and, and I just remember waiting and waiting and waiting until the word comes. And when the word comes, we have to be faithful to obey and do what the word asks, what the Lord asks through his word. And so the season that we find ourselves in as a church, it might feel uncertain with how do we become a church that has doors open in two locations. You know, I've never journeyed down the road, but here's what I will guarantee, that he is God in this season of our church. And I can also guarantee that what God has told us to do, that he's going to help us see it through. But the results, they're going to be beyond our wildest dreams. You know, the people of Israel could not see beyond their present circumstances. And I don't expect you all to see what I see through the eyes of faith of what God has said for this house. But what I can tell you is on the other side of our obedient yes, and our faith that we're going to see God do amazing things. And in response to that, can we sing this chorus one more time? Because as a church, we sang it individually in response to the sermon. But as a church, in response to this word, is there a yes in the room? That we're saying, Lord, we're ready. Lord, we're ready for revival. We're ready to see what only you can do through our hands and our feet, through our yes, that you would do it. So can you just sing that one last time? Lord, we're ready to see a miracle. Lord, we're ready to watch a glory Say, Lord, we're ready. Lord, we're ready for revival. For revival in this place. Lord, we're ready. We don't want to leave the same. Do what only you can do. Sing a chorus do one more time. Say, Lord, I'm ready. Lord, we're Isaiah 43, just a few chapters further, we find this passage 
And it's actually a reference to what God did for the Israelites in leading them out of Egypt. Listen to this. He tells them in verse 18, but forget all that. As good as it was, as glorious as it was, as amazing of a deliverance as it was, he says, but forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, our prayer is we don't want to leave the same. We don't want to be the same. We, we serve a God of change, a God who calls us out of the comfortable places and says, let's go. Let's go. Let's cross the Red Sea. It's not going to be the end. It's just the beginning. And so Weston, as, as a church family, get ready. We're not sitting idly. Get ready for what God is doing. He's already begun it. You might not be able to see it yet. But if you could see what I see, there would be a sense of urgency in your spirit, knowing that the window of opportunity is shorter than it's ever been. And first, Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord's not being slow about His promise to return, as some people think. Instead, he's being patient, giving people more and more time to repent. So before we close the service today, there might be one person, maybe in the room, maybe one person online. My eyes can't see you. But God's giving you an opportunity and a moment to repent of your sin, to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, so that you will never be the same again. You can hear this whole message, but if I don't give you Jesus, the opportunity to walk out the door in a right relationship with Him, you're, you're short-handed to begin with. And so today, if you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, well, how would you know? Simple. You have to have a, a re, like recall a time in your life where you've repented of sin, said, Lord, I repent of my sin. I turn to you. And Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. If you don't have a memory of you doing that in your life, then you don't know. Then you haven't been saved, the Bible tells us. But we willingly choose Jesus. And so if you've never confessed, that's how we know. You repent and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord you've never done that it would be my joy and privilege everyone serving today like we do this for you for the church so that you can have an encounter with God and also that people can find Jesus and if you're here you've never prayed a prayer to invite him in maybe you're also here and you're backslidden you're like yeah I've, I've served the Lord I'm here today I'm watching online but I'm far from Jesus far from where I know I need to be this invitation is for you and I'm simply gonna ask this I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask if you would slip your hand up real high just so I can acknowledge you and know who I'm praying with and you say well why do you count to three because it forces you to make a choice the Bible says choose this day who you will serve and as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so the Bible also says today is the day of salvation. You don't need to wait till tomorrow, wait for next Sunday, or wait for another opportunity. You're never promised tomorrow. And here's the guarantee. When you receive Christ, or if you're coming back to Him after having served Him, the beautiful thing is you will never be the same again. You'll never be, you will leave different than how you walked in. And so today, if you're here and, and you feel like that's you, I'm going to just count to three, real simple. You raise your hand. One, two, three. 
Let me see, is there anyone here today? I see that hand, brother. Thank you. You could put it down. Anyone else? Before we close the service. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're watching online. You could just put a hands up emoji. But we want to lead you in a prayer. And the prayer is nothing special or magical. It's just helping you to articulate saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. So I'm going to invite everyone in the room to pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. But I thank you that you don't want me to leave the same. And so Jesus, I repent of my sin. That means I turn my back on the way I was living. And I'm choosing to follow you, Jesus. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God, you raised them from the dead. And so I give you my life. I receive you now by faith as my Lord and as my Savior. The old me is dead and gone. And you've made me a new creation. Help me to live every day for you. And I thank you that I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. Can we say amen today? And can we thank the Lord? Now I know my brother raised his hand. I thank you for your courage. But maybe there are others that you've prayed this prayer. Uh, real quick, just don't move. We're going to close in just a second, just for no distractions. But if you prayed that prayer, whether it was for the first time or you're recommitting your life to Christ, if you're in the room, I want to direct your attention to fill out a Connect card, the black Connect card, and check off that box that I've made a first-time decision or I'm dedicating my life to Christ. And... Um, and if you're watching online, you can fill out the digital connect card, step one. But step two is you need to find the church that you can call home. A place where you get rooted in, that you're planted in, and that you can grow. And there are many great churches in Toronto, but if you're here in the room, you're watching online, Weston is one of the many great churches in Toronto. And I just want to say you're more than welcome back. We say welcome home. And uh, we're grateful for the decision that you've made. Listen, as we close this service, it's very important that we remember that He's God in all seasons. Very important. And remember, uh, what He's doing in this season as a church affects you as an individual. And my invitation to you is, don't be a spectator, but be a participant. Be involved in, in the life of the church. Be involved in what God is doing. And I'm grateful for each and every one of you. Can I just pray a blessing as we go from this place? Father, I thank you that we've had the privilege and the honor of gathering together as the church and to call on the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you did not know before. And so, Lord, I thank you that in, in these kinds of environments you speak. Lord, you save, you set people free. Lord, you, you deliver people and you bring your healing. Lord, I thank you that your desire is for us to not leave the same. Lord, we will never be the same again. And so, Father, as we go from this place, Lord, our prayer is simple. It's this, do what only you can do, God. In our conversations uh, on Monday to Friday and Saturday, Lord, do what only you can do. And Lord, we choose to make ourselves available to you as your hands and feet extending to this broken, hurting, and desperate world. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to get some glory out of us. And God, we pray that through every storm and every difficult season and trial, Lord, that you are working things out. It might seem like a setback, but Lord, we believe you're setting things up for breakthrough, setting things up for the miracle that you're working out. And so, Lord, I thank you that the miracle is already in motion. And Lord, we give you the honor and the glory. Great things you have done, great things you are doing, and the things still to come. We pray this today in confidence, knowing that you'll never fail. 
In Jesus' name. And if you believe it, say amen today. Praise the Lord. Say amen. Amen and amen. Listen, have a great rest of your weekend. We have some coffee and fellowship waiting in the foyer. And I want to encourage you to take a few moments to connect with some people. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westernroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope listening to this week's sermon has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.